Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I feel like he's one-to-one, you know, Pat, things that he does. Uh, or Pat off the field, you know, uh, his character, his personality, man, he just, it just screams like that, 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 that high school quarterback that all the girls love, that, you know, that you, that, that like as a guy on the team, you wish you were the quarterback. Like, that's like me in high school, like wanting to be Pat. Um, so if you ask to describe him, I just feel like Pat is like, it's, um, he's the homecoming king. Um, the guy, the guy, he's on every billboard. Like I'm, I'm driving down the street, and I see him on like billboards. I see him everywhere. It's pretty dope, you know. From spirit animals to homecoming kings, ultimately to the Super Bowl, just four days away. Super Bowl Fifty Five in Tampa. Chiefs, Buccaneers. We'll continue the process of getting you ready while letting you know everything else that's happening in the National Football League. Plus, plenty of guests. Joe Theismann joins us later in the show, Whoa. as does James Robinson, Whoa. undrafted superstar for the Jacksonville Jaguars. The bright spot in a, well, I'm, I'll just be nice. I'll just say he was the bright spot on a team that he was that. Again, I'll try to be nice. He was just a very good player, undrafted out of one of the directional Illinois. I think it was Eastern. I could be wrong. Why does Illinois have a university for every direction? I don't know. Isn't it Eastern, Western, Southern, and Northern? Right. I feel so, like uh, Louisiana, just- Louisiana is one of those states, too. I feel like there's a few of them where I'm just like, it seems like they got more directions. You went to Illinois State, by the way, so it's not even one of the Not even close. Illinois, great so hey, great topic, Mike. Just- Way to start the show. <laughs> all the Illinois together, they could be right there with Alabama. See, that's the sure. thing. Alabama just pulls it all together, although they've got some directional Alabamas as well. So there goes that theory. Anyway, Theismann and James Robinson joining us throughout uh, the course of the program. And we say hello, as always, to our Peacock audience, Sirius XM 211, Sky Sports NFL, 7 o'clock primetime UK and Ireland. We know that the NFL fans over there Love Super Bowl week as much as we do, if not more. And hello to our podcast audience. Chris, you're back. I'm you're back. Back, in the, back in the studio. No lighting issues. No no funky backgrounds behind you. You're back in your normal habitat. It's good oh, to see. Thank you. All good. Yep. We got about two feet here. It wasn't bad. Roads were okay. You know, I mean, a few tough spots here and there. But no, it's always good good to be back like in the in the normal environment, in your routine. I'm a very routine person, as you know, and you like to joke around a lot. So uh, it does. It feels good. I'm the same way. I'm the same way. I, I adapt quickly, but I hate the adaptation process. I'm like, and once I've made the shift, I don't want to change to anything else. I'm fine with the new routine, but then right. you put me in a new routine. And after I complain about it for, I don't know, one day, two days, two weeks, whatever, then I'm, I'm good to go. I haven't been in that building. I can't remember when I was last in that building because of everything that's happened this year. I mean, the last time we were together, as we've discussed a couple of times this week, is when you were throwing up in a garbage can right. at the but what is it? Combine Seriously. in Indianapolis. It's uh, 2019, uh, end of the regular season. Were you here yeah. wild card weekend of the 2019? 
I don't remember. Probably it. wild card weekend. Yeah, no, right. it was wild card weekend, 2019 season, because we went to California for the divisional, divisional round game between the Vikings and the 49ers. Wow, that's so, been a long uh, time. Time flies. Yeah. Time flies, but it has been a long time. All right, let's get to it. The Super Bowl, as mentioned, is coming up in just four days. One of the injury issues that didn't get as much attention because Patrick Mahomes had a concussion was that toe on which he obviously was hobbling in the divisional round game against the Cleveland Browns. Mahomes played in the AFC Championship against the Bills, looked fine, no issues. He met with reporters yesterday and provided an update on that toe that continues to get back to full strength. Here he is. It feels a lot better. Uh, I mean, having these two weeks to, to let it rest and heal up, um, especially being almost three weeks away from the uh, – over three weeks away from the, uh, the injury itself, I um, mean, if you look at, at those type of in injuries, that kind of gives you the, the normal timeline. So uh, definitely every single day that I get the rest of it, it makes it even better. Um, but it, it's, it's pretty close to 100%. I'm sure by game day it will be. Well, that's good news for the Chiefs, bad news for the Bucks because they're going to need him to be fully mobile, to be able to run around at full speed, to have no impairment, no limitation. But I was impressed thinking back to that Browns-Chiefs game Agreed. when he was – he was hobbled between plays. Yes. And he was fine during the play. Right. I mean, no, noticeably uncomfortable, right, in between plays to where you could see the look on his face and there was a little bit of like a permanent grimace to be like, wow, this is radiating through my whole body, you know, right from my big toe. Uh, it is a very annoying injury, as we've talked about. But I think like like you just said, Mike, I mean, his movement is key to the Super Bowl. It's key to his success, the team's success. We know about the offensive line issues, right? So part of their part of their way, hey, one, okay, offensive line issues. We know how great he is at scrambling and making people miss and move and do all, doing all those things, but it's become part of their game plan as we've talked about. All those sprint out passes and everything like that. Plus, with a, a Super Bowl defense like the Bucks who you know, is going to have that 2007 Giants mentality that, hey, the front four, we got to get there or we can't win the football game. Um, yeah, this is, you know, not what they want to hear because the difference between that 2007 Tom Brady New York Giants football game is you knew where Tom Brady was going to be. That's the greatness of Patrick Mahomes. You can get pressure on him and feel like you never get close to him because he makes people miss and then throws completions down the field. So it's good to hear for, for him for sure. And we've talked about this before, that condition, turf toe, it sounds so innocuous. I, know, I remember right. the first time I ever heard a guy had it, it was Franco Harris in the 70s. And I remember thinking, turf toe, that doesn't sound very bad. Why can't he play with turf toe? But it's a spraining of the ligaments in that big toe. It's extremely painful. And you think about it, just go walk around. Get up and yeah. take a walk right now. Yeah. You push off your weight on that big toe right. as you move. And if those ligaments are sprained, you've got a problem, especially if you're trying to run, run around full speed in, in those football shoes that are uh, tight and uncomfortable. He wore a larger cleat in the AFC Championship and had some extra padding in there. We'll see whether or not he needs that on Sunday. But it sounds like he's getting to where he needs to be, which, again, is very good news for the Chiefs, not very good news for the Buccaneers. Also good news for the Chiefs, Sammy Watkins, a guy who – I mean, let's face it, you can't count on him. No. He, he can't stay healthy. But last year in the Super Bowl, he had a big impact. Right. Ran by Richard Sherman, made a big catch, helped the effort to take the lead late in the game. Sammy Watkins gave an update on his injury status with the calf problem that has kept him out of action. Here he is from yesterday. Um, feeling great, um, but I'm still working out with the training staff for Rick. Um, and just going over everything so I can have a chance and possibly, you know, go out there and feel 100% or 95 or 85, wherever I get at um, by Sunday. But feeling pretty good, very optimistic, um, but having good practices. So um, hopefully I can go out there and, and have fun and play. Well, he's going to be out there even at 85%. That's what you do, though, when you're in the last game of your contract and you got to do something to get someone's attention. It's going to be very difficult for free agents coming up in 2021. Not the big-name guys, the mid-level guys. The salary cap going down. The stars are still going to get their money. The rookies are still going to get their money because it's all predetermined. It's a formula based upon where you're drafted. The guys in the middle are going to get squeezed as the cap drops. And I think Sammy Watkins is going to be one of these guys in the middle who gets squeezed. Now, if he comes out and has a huge performance in the Super Bowl, 
maybe he doesn't get squeezed. He's got a lot riding on, number one, his ability to play, Chris, and number two, his ability to play well in that game. Well, definitely. I mean, you know, first off, Sammy Watkins, in a lot of ways, I feel bad for him because he's a superstar talent who – We've, we've talked about these things right before, Mike. I mean, he had a foot injury coming out of college, his rookie year there, and he's had lower leg injuries ever since. It's like it's never been quite 100% to where you just go, we don't have to worry about injuries anymore. But to your point and, like, the importance of the football game and what he does for this football team, to me, I mean, of course we know Sammy Watkins makes their team better. Yes, I mean, he's a specimen. He's the kind of guy that I don't care what corner you are, you got to respect him. He can scare you. He can catch a slant or run by you for 50-yard bombs and do things like that. You know, so that's where, you know, it's important and and the the other importance to me, Mike at least is the Chiefs are at their best when I feel it's Mahomes in the shotgun. You know, Kelsey and Hill here over here split out to the right, and now we got McCole Hardman and Sammy Watkins to the left. When you have those four on the field with whatever running back, uh, that is a game changer because it really puts a defense in a tough position. It's hard to play blitz. It's hard to blitz and play man to man with that many speedy guys split out to where you go. I don't know if we have four guys that can match up with them. And I it, just one thing I know we talked about it last year. We haven't hit it as much this year. Like, but the Chiefs are much better football team, more dangerous than Sammy Watkins is on the field. So that's good, good news for them and their offense. And this gets back to that dedication the Chiefs have to continue loading the cannon with fast guys. Second yeah. round pick on Miko Hardman. Now, at the time they made that pick, Tyreek Hill was at the front end of right. something that ended up working out for him. But at the time, it, it seemed very ominous and foreboding, but it did work out. They have Nicole Hardman. They have Tyreek Hill. They have Sammy Watkins. And Watkins redid his deal last year. Right. He got squeezed last year. With the Chiefs. Right. Yeah. And he hits the market this year. He's, he's, there's a bunch of guys throughout the league. And this has yet to set in for the fans. And I hope it's starting to set in for the players just so they're ready for it. This drop in the salary cap, that money is coming from somewhere. And it's going to come from the mid level. Veteran free agents, Definitely. guys with recognizable names, right. not superstars, they're going to get squeezed. Someone told me when we were discussing this not long ago, a guy like Ndamukong Su who got $8 million from the Bucks in 2020, that is going to be more like $3 million in 2021. Same type of player, same type of need, same type of market, but because that cap space is going to disappear to the tune of $19.8 million per team. No, $18.2 million per team. Sorry, that is a lot. Now, that's expected to be the, the drop. They don't know for sure, and they won't know for sure until maybe hours before the new league year begins, but there's going to be guys who get squeezed very badly. Buccaneers players all participated in the Tuesday walkthrough practice that the team had, but there are four guys who are not ready to go. Three three key guys who are not ready to go. Antonio Brown, Jordan Whitehead, and Antoine Winfield. There's also questions about Levante David and JPP, but it was Brown who was unable, and we knew he would be unable to play in the NFC Championship. It was Antoine Winfield Jr. who had an, an injury late in the practice week before the game against the Packers right? and ultimately was kind of a surprise scratch on game day. And then it was Jordan Whitehead who suffered a shoulder injury in the game and left. Those three guys, we don't know what's going to happen with them. And those guys in the back end of the secondary, Chris, oh my gosh, how critical they're going to be to trying to slow down the Chiefs' offense. Yeah, with all the issues they had the first time around, and really, I mean, they held up Mahomes and company, I think, what was the number that day? 462 yards? It could have easily, easily been over 550. I mean, it, it really could have. Mahomes missed some plays. They missed some plays altogether. So, yeah, you're exactly right. They need those guys in the secondary. They need them, too, to just mix and match personnel, rest guys. Hey, you know, let's get a fresh body in. But two, they'll have their uh, you know certain matchups where okay, it's you know second and five. We want to play a lot of DBs in the game, but we need the extra safeties here because they might run the ball or do something like that. That's where they're going to miss these guys a lot. As far as Antoine Winfield and Whitehead, they need them. They're tacklers. They're pretty good coverage, pretty good range as far as pass games concerned. I mean, so that that is that's a big deal. I, 
the the Levante David JPP thing would be huge, but I don't get the sense that that's like a real concern, right, Mike, or like a real thing that they could miss the football game. It's just kind of like maintenance, and they're not a hundred percent, and we're taking care of them right now. David's got a hamstring injury, which requires above all else rest and time, and I didn't practice at all last week. Also, JPP, and I'm looking at the report here. Of course, that's the Chiefs, so that's not going to tell me anything. JPP has a knee. Yeah. And and he was given the – this is strange. He got the designation all three days last week, did not practice because of knee, and then comma, not injury-related, which is one of those strange things about the NFL injury report. So it was kind of his knee, but it was also kind of rest. So it's not just the knee. Right. We, we want to rest him, but he's getting treatment on his knee. Yeah. I think that's the only way you can harmonize those two. We deliberately gave him those three days off, but he's getting treatment on his knee. Right. I think he'll practice this week. Yes. But you do have to be concerned about the Levante David hamstring. And I'm looking down here on the injury report, Pete. I don't know. Where's this Levante David hamstring coming from? Because all I see is Antonio Brown, JPP, Antoine Winfield and uh, 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 I see limited participation from Jordan Whitehead. Um, I don't know. I don't know when the Levante David thing happened. We're going to have to check on that a little bit more, but apparently he's got a hamstring problem that becomes a potential issue. He tweaked it in the NFC Championship, but again, as I look at the as I, am I looking at the right week? Never mind. Well, either way, listen, and that and like it's we had the, a, I lo- listen. I will fully admit, as I did the quick search for Buccaneers injury report in my email, it pulled up the uh, conference championship injury report, which would not be the correct one. See, if you want the Super Bowl injury report, you have to get the right one. And now I have the right one. So forget everything I just said. Last week, it was indeed Antonio Brown, Levante David, JPP, Jordan Whitehead, Antoine Winfield not practicing. And for Pierre Paul, it was knee, not injury related on top of it. And for David, it was hamstring. So Pete, you're right. I'm wrong. Savor this moment. It's the only time it's ever going to happen. He got you, definitely. But, yeah, those are concerning. I mean, we know that. I mean, we know, hey, pass rush coverage is going to be a huge part of the game. You know, the Bucks that first time around, yes, could they have won the game? Certainly. But it's, it was a crazy game. Could I also sit here and go, yeah, the Bucks had a chance to win. I could also sit here and go, the Kansas City Chiefs had a chance to win the game 45-10 to 10 and like, absolutely blow them out of the door. It's it's 17 nothing. They're on the eight-yard line going in to score – Mahomes loses his awareness a little bit of Shaquille Barrett behind him is very rare where he gets strip sack fumbled. I mean, that was it was about to be ball game right there. So that's where the game is really intriguing. That's where the Bucks need to be totally at a hundred percent. They're going to have to play their best game of the season to beat this football team. Because I expect the Chiefs, hey, big lights, big games, they just continue to get better and better. And I think you're gonna see the Chiefs play at a very high level and really try to take advantage of this opportunity of being back-to-back Super Bowl champion championship winners. Yeah, and that's why I'm so flummoxed by this one because it could be a blowout by the Chiefs. You have to take the Bucks, 1970s style. You, I have to. Yes, I, I took the Chiefs. You took the Bucks before the year. That's the way it's going to go. We're going down with our teams. <laughs> Shireen. Williams yesterday on PFTPM gave me the license to change my mind because it was so long ago and a lot's happened since then. Oh, and I can't, but I can't, I can't, I can't do it. I, I'll, I hate I'll text Shereen to be, tomorrow if I have to work or not. I didn't I, know she was the new boss. I, I'll see. I'll, I'll get, I'll get. No, get no, <laughs> no. She, I, I just, I, cause we, it came up last night when we were trying to fill, frankly, at the end of the show, the idea that I had, uh, uh, already, pre-selected the Buccaneers to win the Super Bowl before the season began. And my team that I picked to win the Super Bowl, of all the years I've been doing this, has never actually been in the Super Bowl. So I feel like I can't get off that horse now, even though... yeah. See, there's a hedge to be had there. There's a way I can do it where I can still hedge, and I'm trying to hedge, because I really do think that the Chiefs have a good chance to win, but I'm probably going to go all in with the Bucs by the time it's all said and done. All right, one other issue to uh, discuss and you know this one um I saw the quote and how I became aware of it is somebody emailed the quote to me and said how is this not the same as what the Saints did 
10 years ago. Well, I looked at the quote from Devin White, the Buccaneers linebacker, and it is very different from what the Saints did 10 years ago with the bounty system where guys were getting money based upon the application of clean legal hits that would render an opponent incapacitated for all or part of the remainder of the game. But one thing that still screams out to me after that entire bounty experience is the idea that anytime you have one of these informal programs where money gets exchanged for things you do on the field, you're getting your hand dangerously close to the flame. That's the background. And that's why I wrote something yesterday about what Devin White had to say. I think it was Monday where this issue came up. Listen carefully to what he had to say about a competition he has with Levante David when uh, the possibility of guys giving each other money based upon things they do on the field is mentioned. Here is Devin White from earlier this week. It's always uh, that that mentality, like, beat me to the ball, make, uh, get more tackles than me. Let's see who can come up with the biggest play first. You know, that whoever come up with the biggest play, that person got to pay the other person $1,000. Just little stuff that I'm able to uh, throw into our game to make it more interesting as well. So whoever makes the biggest play has to, what, whoever gets the biggest play gets $1,000 from the other guy. That's a competition that Devin White has with Levante David. And again, that, that in and of itself, I've asked the league, like, is that even prohibited? Because my understanding in the aftermath of the bounty scandal was no more of this stuff, no more of these right. programs with, with guys giving money to each other based upon. Because once, once you start down that path, you very quickly end up in a spot that is dangerously close to where the Saints and other teams were. That's the one thing that still irks me, Chris, about the bounty oh, scandal. Oh, I know. A bunch of teams were doing of this. Of course, yes. And the league decided to go grab one of them and make an example out of them and scare all the rest of them straight. Well, here we are a decade later. This is still part of the culture, this idea that guys have side wagers or side pools or side whatever based upon what they do on the field. It just knowing how it happened before, knowing how it starts and how it can grow – it's just the kind of thing where if I'm the Buccaneers and I hear that, I'm like, guys, it's probably something we shouldn't be doing. Yeah, I mean, no. I mean, because it is going to bring attention. There's no doubt. Okay, it is different than the Saints and some yes. other teams that I am aware of because that became a team thing, too. It became the whole unit, the whole defense in a meeting. And then, of course, we have the recordings of the coach saying, hit the head and do all of those things, which made it – sound of course a lot more egregious that was even after that after, was even after right, though right the bounty scandal came to life but it did make it worse yes yes so but but either way you know this mike and 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 we we know this you know this we've talked about this before this goes on everywhere in the nfl it, now it's not about injury it's not about trying to get over anybody on the salary cap or anything like that correct it's always really just about these type of things like, hey, we're going to go play. We're going to play really hard. We know that. We're really not going to think about these side bets until we get back in on Monday, and then we'll go, hey, remember we had this? Who had the biggest play in all of that? But I just, it is part of a little bit of the camaraderie of football to a degree. Yeah, these guys are making a lot of money. It's just about kind of adding some juice to the room. The offensive line used to have a jar, right? You know, every time uh, the offensive line had a, a pancake block or something like that, the offensive line coach and assistant all line had to put, you know, money in there. At the end of the year, the guy who has the most pancake box gets to take the jar home, right? I mean, so it is part of the sport, but we don't want to go into the danger area like you're saying, and that's where it, it, you get scared. And, and that's where it can be, become problematic if, you know, whoever makes the biggest play wins. Well, what constitutes yes, the biggest play? Yes, I get it. Right. Interception, fumble recovery. Broke this guy's sack, leg. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. And it's not just broke the guy's leg. It's just, you know, you hit the guy clean. Right. You hit the guy legally, but... You know, he, he's he's on the sideline for the rest of the game. And ultimately, it becomes you knock the other guy's quarterback off the field. And uh, that's the ultimate big play of the game because, you know, uh, Patrick Mahomes down to Chad Henney. I mean, that that in, in this specific game. So I, I, I just I see that and it makes me nervous because I know that that was at the core 
of what blossomed into this weed that was infesting the NFL. Right. And and I thought it had been eradicated, but but you're right. It's still there to some degree. And Devin White, he would have been in middle school. Yeah, right. When all this happened. Right. So he doesn't know. And, you know, for him, it's just kind of went in Rome. And, and I think the key is, and, and all players need to understand, don't talk about it publicly it. at a yeah. press conference right. <laughs> six days before the Super Bowl. Right. Because then it gives oh. guys like us the opportunity to say, hey, probably something you shouldn't be oh, talking about. He is he's getting it today in the locker room and in the facility. He is gonna get it from everybody. Hey, why don't you just tell them the defensive game plan, Devin? <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna be all over him. Oh, you damn second year. You're still a rookie saying that stuff on the mic. He's gonna hear it from everybody today. They're not gonna be pissed. They're gonna tell them you know hey let's keep these things under wraps let's not publicize it this is stuff that stays in the locker room and all of that uh but i'm sure he's gonna get ribbed by some guys today for sure hey hey because look if i'm devin white my reaction is nobody told me not to say anything about it nobody acted like it was a big deal nobody acted like it was a secret i didn't know i couldn't say anything about it i'm new here yeah no uh, right and, and 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 the 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 punctuation on that idea as to what is or isn't problematic what the league will or won't do i i asked the league yesterday can you just clarify is this allowed and of course no response which is the standard we really don't want to deal with this approach so i got to ask again which i which i've done i've reminded myself this morning to ask again see i have to remember to ask again it doesn't get answered if i don't actually remember to ask again sometimes sometimes they ignore me the second time right and i have to remember to ask a third time but there's a point where i become a little bit relentless about it and i won't let it go and eventually i'll oh you relentless i just can't imagine eventually a point do There's you eventually think, a point where they have to just tell me no comment or I, answer the question? I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if 345 Park Avenue has alarms go off when you send an email. There is like, oh, doo, 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 doo. <laughs> he's he sent an email. Everybody, get on guard. Get on task. We don't know what he's asking for. <laughs> no, no, because because 95 percent of the time it's something that gets answered fairly quickly because it's not something that they would rather not answer. It's that. One out of, I don't know, one out of 10, maybe one out of seven, maybe yeah, one I out get of you. five that I just have to, I have to uh, uh, be a little bit uh, persistent to get the answer. All right, let's take a break. When we return, Joe Theismann joining the program, a guy who had some battles with Chris's dad back in the 80s and has a Super Bowl ring, uh, as does Chris's dad. So I guess they're even. Let's we'll talk to Joe <laughs> about the old days and the new days when PFT Live continues right after this. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, welcome back to PFT Live. There is the bio of our next guest, Super Bowl 17 champion. My God, I remember that like it was yesterday. The John Riggins run to daylight, the win over the Miami Dolphins. Joe Theismann, the quarterback of that team, also the MVP of the NFL the following year with one of the highest-powered offenses the NFL has ever seen. Here he is, Joe Theismann. Joe, good morning. How are you, pal? Morning, guys. Uh, listen, I heard you talking about, you know, Chris's dad. Uh, 
Phil and I had the opportunity to win a Super Bowl. But the one thing that I admire so much, and I watch your dad all the time, my buddy, um, he has his dark glasses. Now I thought I just, whoa, it looks like he's terrible. I was going to wear the glasses like Phil now, too. Don't do that, man. Don't do it. You're, you know, you still got young eyes. You're good. You're oh, you're way kind. more handsome than him. Don't even worry. You're good. All, you're way all too kind. Way too kind. Thanks, guys. Joe, speaking of uh, things you wear on your face, when I think Joe Theismann, the first thing I think of is that single bar face mask. The last non-kicker or punter to ever wear the single bar face mask. And I was looking at some pictures during break. That really did not afford you much protection. How did you manage to go your whole career with this one bar just kind of like right across the middle of your face between your nose and your mouth? Actually, stupidity probably was a driving force. Um, you know, I've had seven broken noses, and you know, dental uh, cosmetic dentistry is a great thing for my front teeth. Got those knocked out by Byron Hunt. Uh, I just when I it's really crazy when I handed off the two bars bothered me, and, and you know, Chris, you know it. We're finicky when it comes to the quarterback position. Definitely. I didn't wear anything on my right arm. I didn't wear a wristband. I wore an elbow pad on my left, but nothing on my right. The way the ball feels in your hand, the way you see things, we're probably the most finicky people in the game when it comes to that. And so for me, it just bothered me. Plus, there's something else nobody really knows, and I don't share it a lot. Billy Kilmer and Sonny Jurgensen both wore single bars. Now, what would I have looked like if I wore a double bar? So, you know, a little bit of peer pressure, but more from a visual standpoint. Oh, that's great. And, it, and it, it always sends the message to me, the guy that wears the single bar is the guy who would go Bobby Lane and wear no, no <laughs> face mask at all if the rule didn't require. It's like, you're going to make me wear one. I'm going to wear the smallest possible face mask that I can. Well, you know, Mike, what's really interesting, when I was in high school, I first started many years ago, my face mask was plexiglass. And it sort of, it went around this way and then widened in the middle a little bit more. So that was right when they just started putting face masks on helmets. Joe, uh, I'm I'm intrigued with the the aspect of your your story is a lot like the Kansas City Chiefs we got this year. Repeat Super Bowl champion coming into the Super Bowl, playing a team that you played in the regular season and beat. You guys beat the Raiders in the regular season before you played them in the Super Bowl. Just dive into that and kind of like the mental gymnastics of what it was like for you guys preparing and, you know, how the game played out and just how you think it was all affected by that regular season matchup. Well, the first one we played in, Chris, we had the opportunity to only have one week. So everything sort of stayed on, on schedule. The second one, Super Bowl 18, we had a two-week period of time to get ready. And truthfully, we had a great practice on Thursday. I felt really sharp on Thursday. But as the week went on, Friday, Saturday, I didn't quite have that same edge that I had before. Now, that was before we had bye weeks in the National Football League. Guys are used to having a couple weeks off now. The biggest thing is about the players that haven't been there. Number one, take care of yourself. The COVID-19 scenario just hangs over this game for another three, four days. Once we get through that, then we can take a deep breath. But who's going to be affected and how will it affect us? But it's the mental part of it. The preparation's there. I mean, they could play tomorrow. Both teams could. But the mental part of it is how do you deal with getting yourself ready to play really what bounce to the game of your life? You were the MVP in 1983. In 1982, when the team won the Super Bowl, strike short in season, nine games. And I, I, I've been trying to figure this out for years now. How in the hell does your kicker end up being the league MVP in 1982? <laughs> You know, you know, Mike, if it was if it was a longer season, it may not have happened. But Mark made so many key kicks for us during that shortened period of time. I mean, you know, we only like you say, we only played nine games. We were eight and one. But I'd say three of those were won by Mark Mosley. And when you look at the percentage of wins that kick that he contributed to for us, it made an awful lot of sense for him to be a kicker. Um, and, and you look at games today. I mean, Tom Brady's first three rings come on field goal kicks. So when you really break down games, uh, about a third, maybe even a little bit more than that, are are decided by three points or less. And then Mo, you know, I really, without John and Mark, those were two very key people for us to wear a a championship ring. Your your head coach, Joe Gibbs, I feel like is the least talked about great coach of all time. 
Uh, I don't know why that is. I mean, I, I guess he's got that little under-the-radar persona about him. But, like, to you, Joe Theismann, when I say Joe Gibbs, like, what's the first, you know, one or two things that come to your mind? His, his red zone abilities, the way he could operate in the red zone. I mean, I, I've told Joe this on different occasions watching games, and I love to watch games. I said, you ought to give a clinic to coaches out there on how to operate in the red zone because we managed to get the ball in the end zone. 1983, we were the highest scoring team in the history of football at that time. And we were averaging almost 35 points a game. And that was at a time when it was a different. We huddled. Uh, you didn't have the hurry-up offense you have now. Right. And so it was the efficiency with which we ran. And the other thing was his creativity. Joe would always come up with something during the week to, to pique our interest, something we would run during the game that you got to that moment and say, hey, this is cool. I can't wait till he calls it. Right. You know, I was reading a book recently, Joe, where uh, Joe Gibbs was consulting with Rex Ryan about 10 years ago, and that issue came up, the idea of specifically inventing plays for individual players, and that would get them even more invested in everything that Joe was trying to do because he knew, the player knew, there's a play just for me that we're going to use down near the end zone and we're going to score a touchdown on it. Exactly, and the thing is, is too, Mike, is what, what he does – is he fit the system was a system it was a two tight end offense it was sort of innovative at that time and and joe really developed it as we went on but what he did is he took the system and then he found the people that he wanted to fit in certain situations and then he would design the plays to take advantage of that person he gave us opportunity after opportunity to execute and get the job done and if you didn't they'd find somebody else it's no different than it really is today except that now you're locked in economically sometimes to keep people around and you just can't do anything. Back then, there was no, you didn't have a salary cap. We didn't have free agency. I mean, you had to play your rear end off or the guy behind you was going to get a chance to play. So whenever the opportunity came, we managed to capitalize it. We had a great bunch of guys too. And, and Chris, you know this as well as anybody. It really boils down to the locker room, the way the guys care about one another, the way the guys communicate. Uh, that locker room should and did belong to us. In all the years I played for Coach Gibbs, the six years I played for him, I saw him in our, our locker room five times. He let us he let us run that part of the of the uh, of the football team, and that's where you really build camaraderie. If there's a problem, we handled it. If there's an issue, we handled it. We had fun with one another, and you know we used to bust on everybody all the time. But it was just good fun. I call ourselves the characters with character. Well, it's the way football should be. And, uh, you know, I, I, of course, have enjoyed watching your career when you played, watching highlights. You're slick. You're an NFL MVP. I want Joe Theismann's perspective of Patrick Mahomes and what we're seeing right now out of this guy. What makes him magical. so unique to you? Yeah, go ahead. He's, I'm sorry, he's magical. He, um, he's, he's started, you, you know, you see the Brett Favre in him, the, the smile on his face, the bouncing around. The leadership he showed last week when things went south against Buffalo, running out on the field, making sure. It was funny. He was making sure that the players stayed on the sidelines, but he was specifically went after Tariq and say, look, man, you're way too important. Don't you get involved in this thing? Because, <laughs> right. you know, he, he was ready to go. Uh, his leadership skills, his athletic skills. A lot of guys can throw the ball at different angles like he does from sidearm to over the top. But for him, it seems so natural. I mean, when he plays the position, he plays it physically in a way that is fun to watch, but he plays it mentally in a way that he understands the entire game. And they're two very distinctly different things. doesn't matter how good an arm you have. doesn't matter how quick you are. doesn't matter any, but how do you play the game? How do you call a play? When you get it down in distance, what are you going to do? And of course, there's always that great marriage between the play caller and the quarterback. You see it down in New Orleans with Drew and Sean. Um, and, and I think with Andy and Patrick, it's the same thing. Plus, Patrick had the benefit, and, and this can't be understated, to work with Alex Smith for a year. Really, I think, taught him how to prepare, how to become a professional, how to learn the game. And that's invaluable when you're young. And then you develop your own style after that. But the foundation was something that Alex helped him build. All right, Joe, we talked about the playing days. I got a question, an important one from your broadcasting days. I'm going to take you back 15 years to Tampa, uh. the site of this year's Super Bowl, your Washington football team versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And this guy, Chris, runs into the end zone, scores a touchdown, and he throws the ball in the direction of the pirate ship. Now, 
He claims Paul McGuire said this. Now, Paul McGuire, we know like Chris, Budweiser beer and stuff like that, Chris, but I'm just saying Chris, he said Chris, it on the air. Chris, please let me finish, please, okay. counselor. Chris claims that he threw the ball into one of the holes on one of the cannons. Can you confirm or deny? I can confirm that he did, yes. And if Paul Whoa! McGuire made, if Paul McGuire made that observation, you know it had to absolutely be true. <laughs> right? Because, because wow. when we went in, you, know, you know what it's like going in production meetings, right? Well, there he is. Look at him. Just ready to go. When, when, Paul, when Paul went into a production meeting, he only took one note. He right. took one note. So I asked him one day, I said, Paul, why do, you, why do you only just take one note in these production meetings? He said, how are you supposed to listen to what people are saying when you're writing? And I thought, basically, I could do both. But um, you know, Paulie, he was very observant. I mean, I, Mike Patrick, Paul McGuire, and having the opportunity to work with those two guys at, at ESPN was just so much fun. It was the early years of broadcasting at ESPN when it came to uh, professional football. And it was just a ton of fun. Again, it, it, it's like a mini locker room. We'd go out to dinner on Friday night, Saturday night, and just really the camaraderie is, I think, what makes the booth really. Yeah. But, but you, you know, Joe, you, you, you talked about Alex Smith. It, I mean, I, I got to ask about him because I was holding my breath all year watching him play. I, I really was. But just talk about how shocked were you that you actually saw him on the football field this year after an injury that was very similar to your own injury? Honestly, I wasn't surprised because um, over the last two years, we've communicated a lot. We've talked a lot. I've watched his progress two years ago in training camp. You know, he still had that thing on his foot. Um, we would kneel down in the locker room, in the weight room, and just throw the ball back and forth a little bit. I'm, I really wanted to stay close to him. I, I've said this before, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Elizabeth, his wife, I know is his biggest fan. I'm number two. Nobody rooted harder for him to come back. In the beginning, I gave it a 75-25 chance that he wouldn't. But then I saw his dedication. I mean, he got a letter from the Secretary of State to be able to go to the center down in Texas where they, they work on the troops. I mean, he did everything he could. And when you think of his history, the guy carried rocks underwater to train. So, I mean, what else was he not able to accomplish? And right. just the fact that he, when he went out against the Rams and Aaron Donald jumped on his back, I held my breath. Me I went, too. oh, no, don't, please don't let anything happen. And it didn't. I, I think it also worked that way for Alex. I think in his mind, it's like, you know what? I can do this again. And then he just got better and better. Of course, at the end of the season this year, had the calf issue. And just the fact that he's out there. I mean, he should, without question, be the comeback player of the year. I don't even think there's anybody close. I think the moment he got on the field yeah. makes him the comeback yeah. player of the Agreed. year. Um, Joe, tell us what you have going on with Medliminal. Medliminal is an interesting company. Uh, what it is, we examine employers, employee medical bills. And, you know, with this pandemic going on and everybody trying to people trying to save money in a certain way, it's like, it's really like a health savings program. What Medlimital does is they put the bills, your medical bills, into an HCAT system. What it is, is this system examines the bills and then nurses and healthcare experts go over it. And they really try and save the employer, self-insured employers, they try and save them money. And that's what it really boils down to is how can you find ways to put money back into your company to be able to save yourself? It's a collaboration uh, between, like I say, nurses and then uh, healthcare experts. But it also is an opportunity to be able to uh, work with the employers to be able to try and save them money. And you can go to medliminal.com and find out more about us and who we are and what we do. But it, it, it doesn't cost anything. If you don't find anything in the medical bills, then it doesn't cost anything. That's the most important thing. And I promise you this, guys. If we were to sit down as just employee, employers, employees, people, and try and read a medical bill, you can't. Oh. You have no idea what the charges are. So what they are is really, I, I sort of call them a watchdog. They want to make sure that the charges are correct, that you're being charged for, and make sure that it's, it's not being overpaid. So it's a, I've been with the company as far as a spokesman for the last couple of years. It makes so much sense to be able to try, especially now is where can we find a little bit more money? Where can we find a little bit more savings? And like I said, uh, Medlimital, the med, uh, med, it's M-E-D-L-I-M-I-N-A-L.com, and you can get all more information there. Awesome. Joe, I got a great idea for reducing medical bills. 
Don't, get don't wear a single bar face mask. <laughs> don't wear a single bar face mask. That's the key. All right. Hey, great There's stuff. Great there. seeing you. Great talking to you. All the best. We'll talk to you again down the road, Joe. You're the man, you guys, Joe. I'm, I'm channeling right. Mike. Be good. Channeling you're better than Mike. that guy. Don't be. You're better than Phil Sims. The hell of them. We'll be back with more PFD Live right after this. See ya. Those interviews, for whatever reason, I have not been hired, and which is okay, because at the end of the day, I still have an opportunity to go out there and help our team to pursue and obtain our goal. And so, yes, there is a focal point where you're focused on that interview. But once that interview was over, now it's time to turn the page. You know, I can't sit here and dwell in pity. You know, because when it's all said and done with, I have a responsibility to the Kansas City Chiefs. I have a responsibility to Coach Reed. I have a responsibility to this entire offensive coaching staff and our players to make sure that we're mentally and physically ready to go come game day. But that's who I am, okay? And that's how I operate. Well, that sounds like a guy who does an interview well to me. Uh Really? I mean, that's I know. great. But, that's great. Yeah. That that and that that's it. That's it in a nutshell. And it was communicated very clearly, very plainly, very persuasively. And it supports one of the points that we make from time to time. Just just stop all of the coaching searches. Don't even start them until after the Super Bowl. You might be so right, you don't Mike. put guys in a spot where yeah. you know you're worried about your your team, your current team. Right. But you're also worried about whether or not you're going to get a new job. As right. someone explained to me not that long ago. When uh, when the coach goes home at night, assuming he's married, uh, on a on a Tuesday in advance of a playoff game, Mrs. Coach isn't going to say, "How's the game plan coming for Sunday?" Mrs. Coach is going to say, "Have you heard anything about whether or not you're going to get this job?" Right. As a head coach somewhere else, that becomes a top priority, and it puts guys in a tough spot. But you know, Chris, something that Andy Reid said yesterday. Makes a ton of sense. I wrote about it after I saw the quote. He said, I talked, and I'm paraphrasing here, but I talked to a lot of owners and general managers and team presidents who were looking for coaches about Eric. I gave them input. I am looking forward to finding out from them why he didn't get hired. And I hope that he does make those calls and say, tell me why. And this dovetails with something someone suggested last week. Every candidate, and and especially the black candidates, who are not being hired at the same rate as their white counterparts, they should know. They should be told. They should have a right to know what it was that kept them from being hired. Is it an interview issue? If so, tell me what I need to do better. How do you get better? They say, well, the interview experience, you get better, you get better. Well, not if you keep doing the same thing over and over again. You need feedback from the people who didn't hire you as to why they didn't hire you and how you need to address whatever you need to address so you do get hired. That's only fair. So I like what Coach Reed said, and I hope that the league – pushes these teams, if not requires these teams, to give real feedback as to why the candidates for these jobs aren't getting them because there are some that stand out. And I feel bad for Eric Bieniemy, who's become the focal point of this. He doesn't want that. He doesn't deserve that. But it just kind of happens when a guy who clearly is qualified and and you get and, and no disrespect to David Cully, I can't reconcile Eric Bieniemy not being hired and a guy who's never been a coordinator, whose name has never been mentioned as a head coaching candidate anywhere, right, right. it's the job in Houston. I can't reconcile the two, Chris. No, well, you shouldn't. I mean, it's he's not in the same stratosphere as Eric Bieniemy. I mean, just the way it looks, I mean, to me, I mean, that's just, you know, my honest opinion, especially what Eric Bieniemy's doing, you know, on the offensive side of the ball. The way he talks, again, every time you hear him, he handles himself to a way where I just go, I'd play for him. I don't understand what's going on. I love Andy Reid. You know he's going to get to the bottom of this. You know it. I don't know if there's like a head coach in the history of football who supports his, uh, you know, his assistant coaches more. He's famous for it. He will have some answers. I think he'll put the pressure on some of these owners to go like, what the hell? What are you thinking? You hired that guy and not him? How could that possibly be? And then, Mike, your thing about the, you know, the playoff coaches and wait till it's all said and done too. I think that's real too. I think the NFL needs to go back and reassess that. I don't think it's any like, you know, uh, what do I want to say? I don't think it's a coincidence. A guy like Robert Sala now this year when they don't make the playoffs 
is more impressive in the meetings and gets hired this year. And you might go, why? I don't, because of everything Eric Bieniemy just said. He, you know, Monday night, all of a sudden, he, oh, I got to get ready for an interview. I've been more worried about my team and my job right now. I'm trying to win this game. So maybe some of those details in the interview process get lost because, oh, I just worked a 20-hour day coming up with a game plan for a game. Now i got to figure out you know, my resume and crap like that to where i got to impress some owner with some bullcrap charts and things like that. That, to me, is a, is a disadvantage to these coaches who are in the playoffs. And it creates divided loyalties. And if you do what you have to do to put your best foot forward to get a head coaching job, you necessarily undermine the job that you have to do for the team that you are working for. So there are many issues that the league needs to take a closer look at to improve this hiring process because it is flawed in many ways. And I didn't mean to single out David Culley. I mean, you could look at some of these other guys who got jobs and say, how do they get it instead of Eric Bien? I mean, Nick Sirianni, based upon all due respect, the press conference we saw Friday, I still like, was that? Was that big communication? Was that real? Was that like, was that, you know, uh, but uh uh, and, and at the end of the day, the teams have to decide who they want. And clearly, they are hiring who they genuinely believe is the right candidate for them. I just don't know that the procedures and the processes. When we just consider the fact that these billion-dollar businesses don't bring in a consultant to help their coaches prepare to deliver a two-minute message at a press conference, what other flaws do they have in how they operate this business that aren't obvious? What flaws do they have in how they go about selecting their coaches? So these are all things that, that I think the league needs to address, the teams need to address. And, uh, you know, the good, the, the good teams like it, Chris, that there are some teams out there that, that keep making mistakes. Oh, they love it. to win football games against the teams that keep making mistakes. Yeah, I mean, I, I get comments from coaches and people all the time. You know, good thing this guy's in our division. Glad he's, you know, glad we're coaching against him twice a year. Glad he's picking the players. Yes, I mean, that's part of the competitive nature and things that go on behind the scenes in the NFL. But the Eric Bieniemy thing, to me, is still just mind-blowing. You know, I'm glad he didn't take the Houston or Eagles job. I think I, I wouldn't want to mess with that right now. We know the Jaguar job wasn't there to be had because of Urban right. Meyer. But uh, I, I just, if Eric Bieniemy's not a head coach by next year, there's a real issue. But you imply he was offered the Houston or Philly job. We've no, heard nothing to I suggest know. he was we offered those not. jobs. I'm just glad he, he shouldn't didn't have taken them, but right. he was offered them. We'll yeah. be right back. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.